The Detroit Pistons played a competitive game against the Milwaukee Bucks, lost in crunch time, as I think a lot of us expected them to. But there is one big takeaway from this game for me, and it has to do with the usage of Isaiah Stewart. Let's talk about it in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, that's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Later on, we'll talk about Marcus Sasser and the game he had against the Milwaukee Bucks and what it means moving forward for him. And then even later on into the podcast, I want to talk about cutting out bad habits as soon as you possibly can. Um but first, I want to talk about a positive takeaway from this game against the Milwaukee Bucks. So, the Pistons played a competitive game against the Bucks. It was a close game all the way to the end. And then at the end of the game, good teams do what good teams do against the Pistons, which is pull away from them um, and end up winning by 10 plus. Now, the Bucks ended up lo- winning by nine, um, but you get what I'm saying. Um, at the end of games, good teams pull away from them. Uh, and, and this is by no means a moral victory at all. This team is, is very bad. Like, we, we understand all of this. Um, but instead of just harping on them losing again and, and all that stuff, there there's one aspect of this game that I think should be a positive, not just for the fans to take away, but hopefully, I, I, I don't think it's a hope, actually. I think the front office made this trade specifically, or maybe not specifically, but with this in mind as well. Um, and it's the use of Isaiah Stewart. So since the trade for Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala, Isaiah Stewart has been, he's been hurt. He's missed the last few games. Um, but he returned tonight, or maybe not the last few games. He missed the last game um, against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and then he played this past game. So he missed one game, and then he had, before the, that game against the Milwaukee that he missed, he played three games, and then he had missed like nine games before then. Um, so he's been injured as of late, but just missed that previous game, and he's back now. Um, in this game, he played... 28 minutes of action. And I think that it was probably the best game I've watched Isaiah Stewart play in his career. And that's taken into account uh, his, his impact on both ends of the floor within a singular game. Like I'm sure there's been games maybe where he's been better defensively. Actually, I'm not even sure if that's true, but my point is maybe you could find a game where he was better in one side of the floor in a specific game, but where he's been this good on both sides of the floor within a game, I don't think you can find one. I think this was the best game I've seen Isaiah Stewart play in his career. He was extremely, extremely impactful in this game. He had 19 points, eight rebounds, five blocks, two steals, two assists, just one turnover, shot 55% from the field, made two threes, and had eight free throws and made seven of them. One of the biggest reasons why I think Isaiah Stewart played so well in this game is for two reasons. One, he came off the bench. He was not asked to be a starter. He was not asked to play with Jalen Duran that much of the game. Instead, 
They brought him off the bench, which should be his role for this team moving forward and would be his role for just about any team in the NBA. He is is supposed to be an impactful player off the bench, not your starting power forward. He's not that. So in this game, they brought him off the bench. And what did he play as as coming, coming off the bench for the Pistons? They're back up five. And they were allowed to do this. They were allowed to do this because they have traded for Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala, both these guys who have been hitting the threes and hitting their shots and playing the right brand of basketball since joining the Detroit Pistons. Now, I know that these guys probably are going to come crashing back down to earth after the season they were having with Washington. They were not very good at all in Washington. Now, they do have a career of shooting well, so maybe they get back to shooting pretty well for the Pistons. But this season, it looked like that they had been, you know, best way to put it is washed this season, the Wizards. But they played well for the Pistons since arriving here. And what their arrival has allowed the Pistons to do is to play – 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", guys that can spread the floor and shoot the basketball with Isaiah Stewart and allow Isaiah Stewart to play the five position off the bench, which is what he did in this game for the Detroit Pistons, which what did that do? That opened up a lot of cleaner looks for Isaiah Stewart around the basket. If you watch this game, you go back and watch the clips of Isaiah Stewart's buckets around the rim. A lot of his buckets around the rim are coming off of an extremely spaced out floor with a four next to him who's also an incredible spacer with a Marcus Sasser and an Alec Burks and a Jane Ivey on the floor. It's a spaced out floor. Guys, the defense, at least in this game, was sitting two on the ball, whether it's for Marcus Sasser or Jane Ivey, and Isaiah Stewart is slipping or rolling to the basket. And when he was catching the ball at the rim, he's meeting a rotating guard from the opposite weak side corner and Damian Lillard, and Malik Beasley, and that's an easy finish for him. And he was getting the ball around there, and he was finishing the basketball. Other times, he was picking up fouls because guys are rotating over late, and he's able to pick up a foul in route to rolling to the basket or rolling to the rim. That is a really great way to try to – Isaiah Stewart is not a great finisher in the NBA. We've talked about how he struggled to be a finisher in the NBA so far in his career. But if you space the floor out and give him those type of opportunities – it will help his efficiency around the rim a ton. And you saw that in this game against the Milwaukee Bucks, how much this spacing and playing him at the five and not the four. Playing him at the five with other guys around him that can space the floor and run the pick and roll with guys. He also can pick pick and pop. He hit two threes tonight, which is big time. But that was opening up so many better looks, higher quality looks for him around the basket, which I think you'll start to see happen for all these other guys when the team's uh, completely healthy. And they have a Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari, and they make these eventual trades and get more shooters on the team. You'll start to see how having spacing gives players higher quality looks around the basket. And that's what you saw with Isaiah Stewart playing the five with those guys. So this trade, if Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari continue to play this well and can hit outside shots, it might be a low-key, sneaky, good trade by Weaver. I'm not a fan of the fact that he had to give up these second round picks just to get off a Marvin Bagley contract that he didn't have to sign him to and gave it to him anyways. And I had to get off him like that in of itself is still bad asset management. It still is. But if those guys continue to serve their role for the rest of the year and allow the Pistons to see what looks like with Isaiah Stewart at the five and have that space, that floor, not even just Isaiah Stewart at the five, have Jalen Duran out there with these kind of spaces around them. If that's where it allows them to see it. Um, and, and again, not have to start Isaiah Stewart then so be it. I like I, that. Actually, I think that provides a, a really big role uh, or a, a big uh, development for the Detroit Pistons. So that's Isaiah Stewart offensively. Obviously, you also saw him hit two threes, which were big time. The free throws are coming of what I just said around the rim. Now, not all of them. Some of them he pumped fake and was able to draw a foul on Brooke Lopez. 
but a lot of it was simply him being able to attack rotations from the weak side corner on pick and rolls because of how spaced out the floor was. Um, so that was him offensively. And then defensively, I think he did a tremendous job on Giannis. Now Giannis ended up with a triple double because Giannis is arguably the best player in the entire world. Like he still shot, um, actually he shot 44% from the field, which isn't that great. Um, but he ended up with 31, 17 and 10, like three and two, like, it's Giannis. He's, he's arguably the best player in the world. You're not going to stop him. You can only try to contain him. And I think Stu did about the best job you possibly could trying to contain him. Um, I also like the matchups and what the Pistons were able to try to do defensively with Isaiah Stewart at the five, putting him on a Giannis. And you saw him rotate on the weak side and protect the rim pretty well with him at the five. I, I think this, this game, I, I, the Pistons lost. And there's some things I, I'm really going to talk about later that I really did not like from this game and really did not like from the Pistons over the last few weeks, really. Um, and we'll get to that. But the biggest positive by far for me in a game in which they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks is by far, I thought, the career night from Isaiah Stewart and how it looks like the Pistons and Monty Williams might be finding a way to best optimize Stu to where fans can appreciate him more as a guy coming off the bench, and they can better utilize him as a guy coming off the bench as their backup five, finally. They're not trying to force... Marvin Bagley minutes at the five or James Wiseman minutes at the five. Like they are now finally adopting Stu at the five, which is something we talked about all season, all off season, really. You need Stu is a backup five. That's his role. A spacing, a guy who can hit some threes at the five and can play switch defense and guard guys. Like that's his role. And you got to see that in the Milwaukee Bucks game tonight. And he was, I, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say he was the best player on the Detroit Pistons tonight. On the floor, not he's not the best player totality, but on the floor tonight, Isaiah Stewart was the best player for the Detroit Pistons. He played exceptional, and this is the role he should have for this team moving forward. It, it, it's very clear. This is the role he should have moving forward, so I hope this is the biggest takeaway and they continue to do this moving forward. Everyone will probably feel a lot better about Isaiah Stewart if this is his role moving forward. Um, but let me know what you guys think about that. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cuckoo Hill. When we come back, it's going to be time, or not going to be time, it is time right now, to give Marcus Sasser run with the Detroit Pistons. He doesn't need to be on the bench no more. It's time to give him some run. I'll talk about, or I'll dive into that a little bit more in just a second. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash NBA and get on your way to being your best Self. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every single morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast with it too. Therapy is not just for trying to strengthen your weaknesses or change the, the, the maybe the weaker parts of yourself. Therapy also can help you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick and everybody, everybody throughout life has the little peaks and valleys. Sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. And there's nothing wrong with getting help to get yourself back to that peak. And that's something BetterHelp can help you with. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That's the best thing about BetterHelp. If you're with a therapist and you're not vibing with them, you can go ahead switch just like that for no additional charge so celebrate the progress that you've already made with better help visit better visit betterhelp.com slash locked today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help 
H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA to celebrate the progress that you've already made. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. It's another great way to support the podcast. I kind of, we talked about it a little bit, like I think a week and a half ago on the podcast. Um, But let's, I want to give it its full segment, its own segment um, here after this, this Milwaukee Bucks game. Uh, Marcus Sasser, it's time for Marcus Sasser to be a legitimate part of the rotation. And it's not because I think Marcus Sasser is like some fantastic rookie. I think he has promise, and I think he's flashed it, especially in this game against the Milwaukee Bucks. It's not even so much just about his play, which again, like I said, he's been fine. It more so has to do with the fact of, you know, the play of others. And also where the Pistons are at in their season. If you remember, if you guys are everyday listeners, before the season started, I suggested or I made the the guess that what they were planning on doing with Marcus Sasser was you probably wouldn't see him on the team or playing that many minutes as long as people were healthy. You probably wouldn't see him playing many minutes for the Detroit Pistons until around the deadline. And then they would move off of Alec Burks and let Marcus Sasser come into Alec Burks' role Get some assets for Alec Burks, wherever you can for Alec Burks, and let the guy you have waiting in the wings just fill his role. Because they're basically going to do the same thing for you. Both those guys are just pure scorers. They're coming in to just shoot the basketball, score the basketball. They're not coming to play make. They're not coming in to you know be lockdown defenders. They're coming in to be instant offense for you off the bench. And we are at now on January 22nd, and you're seeing Marcus Sasser get some minutes. You're seeing Alec Burks increase his trade value. You're hearing Alec Burks' name in the trade market. So I would fully assume, and I hope – I hope they do this, and I'd expect them to move off of Alec Burks for what they can, elevate, I should say, Marcus Sasser into Alec Burks' role, and then get what you can for Alec Burks. Along with that, though, the Pistons need to stop playing Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes should not be playing any longer. This is coming from a guy who has believed in Killian Hayes, and I still believe that maybe in the future he can find an NBA role with another team. I believe that player is in there, but his time in Detroit is done. You can see it on his face. You can see it in the way he's played before. Like this dude's only taking like two shots a game. Like he's Killian is 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 basically out there getting cardio in the last few weeks. I like I at the beginning of the year he was playing like a backup point guard, and now over the last few weeks he's just not even shooting the basketball. He's, when he does shoot the basketball, he looks extremely uncomfortable. He's turned the ball over at random moments. I know he doesn't have a lot of turnovers the last few games, but his turnovers are more like the few he do, does have are just like kind of head-scratching, like the inbounds ones tonight. Um, and when he comes into the game in the second half, the momentum just shifts most of the time. Like last game it happened, and this game against the Milwaukee Bucks he came in, and it shifted. He had to come out after just a minute of play. He's only playing a select few of minutes despite starting. It's time to pull the cord in the Killian Hayes experiment. I hope that he, I, I seriously hope that he becomes an NBA player somewhere else. I truly believe there's a player inside of there. And I thought he was showing that he was developing and he was getting better at the beginning of this season. But it's clear that that guy is either either too inconsistent or just a flash. And he's not going to find out if it's, it, it, no one's going to find out if that's there. He's not going to find out that that's there in on this team. And he's just not helping this team. It's time to move on from Killian Hayes. It's time to trade him. It's time to sit him down 
and give all of his minutes or almost all of his minutes to Marcus Sasser. Marcus Sasser is the first round pick from this past year. Marcus Sasser is the better scorer. Marcus Sasser is the better offensive player. At this point of the year, at 4-39, and 39, you need to be prioritizing your young guys, especially recent ones you just drafted, especially when they are capable of having the games that he had tonight, 23 points and 9-17 shooting. It is time to prioritize Marcus Sasser and give him Killing Hayes' minutes. And trust me, that I, I that, that and there's a part of me that it pains to say because everyone knows that I've believed in Killing Hayes, but it's over. It's done. It's dead. It's, I hope he does well in San Antonio. I hope they send him to San Antonio. I think he can do well there. I, I hope he develops somewhere else. He's still really young. I believe in him. But here in Detroit, it's done. He's been bad for the last few weeks. It, it you don't need to keep playing him. There's no, there's no like th- there's no upside to playing him still. It's not like you're playing him in, with the hopes of him becoming your guy or the hopes of him being your backup point guard. Like I, I'm pretty sure that boat has sailed from every which way. Like it's 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 done. And Marcus Sasser deserves the opportunity. This is a dude who's a flat out scorer. I want to see what he has. Um, I kind of already have an opinion of what Marcus Sasser is. He's not going to be a playmaker. He's not a guy you want running your offense. And when he's hot, like he was tonight, he's instant offense. He's going to provide insane value for you. He's basically, I mean, I don't want to say basically, because I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of draft heads and a lot of guys who kind of spaz at me for saying this. But I think a lot of people will probably get what I'm trying to say here. He's basically going to be like what Alec Burks is for the Detroit Pistons. I think that's like the hope. Yes, he projects to be a better defender than Alec Burks, especially at the point of attack. Like, I get that. But a guy who just comes in, provides instant offense, you're not asking him to be a playmaker. You're not asking him to set up the offense. Like, that's not what you want him to do. You want him to come in and just score. And when he's hot, he's capable of going for 23 points in 26 minutes, just like Alec Burks has been doing the last 10 games. That's what you want from Marcus Sasser. And this team could use that. This team could use that, especially – you know, if their starting guard is only going to play 16 minutes and take two shots. Like, if that's what you're going to get out of your starting, there's no point of even starting him. Stop starting him. Stop playing him minutes. If you have to play him minutes, play him spot minutes off the bench like you're doing with Danilo Gallinari. Like, play Killian Hayes spot minutes. But Marcus Sasser should be, and I know this is only happening really because Cade's hurt right now. Um, But when Cade comes back, obviously Killian Hayes comes out the starting lineup. Cade goes in, and Killian Hayes should not go to the backup point guard role. It, they... They they should probably go to Marcus Sasser, even though he's not a point guard. And I do think that kind of sets him up to be in a bad position, which is why I think they've been hesitant to do that because he's not a point guard. But they don't really have another option until Monte Morris comes back. And then when Monte Morris comes back, I think you definitely trade Alec Burks and you play Marcus Sasser and Monte Morris. Like, I think that's 100% your backcourt, unless you move off of Monte Morris. Like, who knows? Maybe they have a deal... Uh, planned out for Marcus Sasser, or not Marcus Sasser, but Monte Morris using his expiring contract. But just assuming no trades happen at this point, when Cade comes back and Monte Morris comes back, which sounds like it's going to be soon, pretty soon, um, your backup line definitely should probably be Marcus Sasser and Monte Morris. And then if you can move off of Alec Burks, there you go, perfect. Bada boom, bada bing. Also, whether you want to just sit Killian Hayes out for the rest of the year and just you know DMP him, trade him, like whatever, just you probably shouldn't be getting any more minutes in the rotation. That's what I would do, and that's what it's time to do with Marcus Sasser. You wasted the first-round pick on him. I mean, let me not say wasted, because that makes it sound like that it was just like a horrible pick. It's not that you wasted. You used a first-round pick on him this past year. You're 4-39. and 39. It's time to prioritize some young guys to get them some minutes. Um, so get Marcus Sasser some minutes. It's time. And I think he probably deserves to be in the rotation. Um, and with the team being as bad as it does, he can get some more minutes than, than he would get anyways. So 
Um, let me know what you guys think about that. I'm sure everyone's going to be happy about that one. Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Coop. Yo, when we come back, now I want to talk about some things that's really frustrating me over the last few weeks watching this basketball team. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. A few years ago, when betting became legal in Michigan, I didn't know where to go. I ended up choosing FanDuel. I haven't turned back since. Not only is it super self-explanatory, it's extremely fun to do with so many different options on there. I love FanDuel. I still use it to this day, almost every single day. Me and my friends, almost every single day we're on FanDuel. Maybe maybe on there a little bit too much, but that's just how much fun it is with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. That's what FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so I want to talk about cutting out bad habits. Sorry, I'm feeling a little sick. If you guys hear me sniffling, I'm, feeling, I'm not feeling the best. But anyways... A few weeks ago, I believe exactly two weeks ago, I came on the podcast, or maybe a week and a half ago now, but anyways, I came on the podcast and told everyone to go listen to J.J. Redick and Tim Legler talk about what happens on teams this bad. Because Tim Legler, I believe his, he said his team was, uh, he was in the 92-93 season, I think. His team won 12 games. Um, so he really gave some really in-depth stuff with it. Um, J.J. had been on like, two bad teams, whatever, and he talked about his. But either way, they both provided some really good insight to what happens throughout this, the course of the season, like the, the phases that happen and what happens behind the scenes. It was an incredible discussion. I can I can tell you guys that everything Tim Legler and JJ said either has, has happened, is currently happening, or is about to happen. And I mean from every aspect that they talked about. So if you haven't listened to that, go look it up. It's like a 20-minute video on YouTube with JJ Reddick's YouTube channel, it's you have to watch it if you're a Pistons fan because it gives you. I'm telling you guys, it's real good insight to what's actually happening with the Detroit Pistons behind the scenes in the locker room, in the front office, on the court, like all of it. It was fantastic. But one of the things that they mentioned was eventually guys start picking up bad habits. They start to play the wrong way, and they don't start getting told that it's the bad way to play. They kind of get, you know, get, are given the freedom. Everyone on the roster is kind of given the freedom to just pick up these bad habits because of how bad they, the team is and how everyone starts to look out for themselves. Everyone's, you know, this team, this season's over. This team's done. I got to make sure I look good. I got to make sure I'm impressing the front office. I got to make sure I'm impressing the rest of the league. Like that, that basically is what the goal goes to with these players when the season gets this bad. And that's human instinct. Like I, I think all of us, if you just put yourselves in the player's shoes, you know, your team's trash. You're not going anywhere. And you're on, on the worst teams of all time. You are your goal would naturally then become I got to I got approved to the NBA I got approved to the front office I got approved to everyone watching hey hey 
this team is horrible, but not because of me. Like I'm actually good. I, it, this team is not, it is not good, but it's not because of me. Like that is just a natural human instinct. And it, it requires a strong culture and strong leadership to stop that from happening. And you can question whether the Pistons have that or not. I'm sure you guys would love to have that conversation. I think you guys know where I stand on that. Uh, I'm not going to go any further with it, but I think over the last few weeks, you are seeing that take place. And it's not just with the top players. It's literally from the top down with the roster. Everyone that plays, I feel like you can point to multiple plays throughout the game where it's like, why is that happening? Why is that something that's being allowed to happen? What's going on? Like, why is that something that's happening within a basketball game multiple times? And what really makes this pop for you, if you watch this team, what really makes this pop is if, so I just got a notification real quick. Uh, I believe I believe MB dropped 70 and Cat dropped 62 in one night, 18 years after Kobe dropped 81. That is absolutely crazy. Um, but anyways, what really makes this pop for you is when you watch other NBA teams throughout the NBA, and not even just the great ones, just like average NBA teams throughout the NBA. Like if you watch those games and then you watch Detroit Piston games, it's not just the talent that that is like the, the big difference. It's not just like scheme that is like the huge difference. It's not, there's all kinds of differences, but it's not just that. One of the main things is how teams play. Do they play the right way? Do they make the right decisions more often than not? You know, that kind of thing. And over the last few weeks, you're starting to see the Pistons allow some things to happen. And my concern isn't about this season. It's not about winning individual games. It's about the impact of allowing these kind of things to happen because then they become exactly that, a habit. They become a habit that you have to then try to break a few years down the line. And it's harder to break habits a few years down the line as it is rather than, you know, break it immediately and not allowing it to become a habit. So the example I'm going to use here is this. I'm sure fans are going to be upset about this because if you criticize or even remotely talk about things young players can do better, they immediately spaz. They, they act like you can't watch the games and they, people expect you to lie about what your eyes are seeing. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not going to lie about what my eyes are seeing. And I know basketball. I've played it my whole life. I, like, no, I'm not going to lie about what my eyes are seeing. So I'm looking at, and I, I wanted to download it, but it wouldn't download. My computer is being stupid. But I got the shot chart for Jalen Duran in this game against the Milwaukee Bucks. His offensive freedom that they're giving him is is a good thing because you're seeing him be able to self-create a little bit on drives to the basket. And uh, you're seeing some incredible footwork. I think he's improved on a ton since the beginning of his rookie year. The footwork is, is, is looking really nice. I think you're seeing that he has some of that in his future, getting to the basket, utilizing his footwork and his strength to draw free throws, score the basketball, or even kick out. Cause we know he's a fine passer. Like you're the, the, the offensive freedom they're giving him is a good thing because of that. But you don't when you give someone offensive freedom, you don't want to just let go of the leash and just let them do whatever. When it starts to get bad, when you you know it's just like if you take uh, this is like an easy explanation or or comparison for me because I had to train my dog. I, I I didn't want a dog, and then my wife wanted a dog, so we got one, and then we had to train it ourselves. So this is why I'm making that comparison. I had to live through that, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Like my dog didn't I didn't we we didn't let Oli go off too far away from us ever like had to stay right next to us when they were younger and then you know started at behave started to be a little better 
So we extended her leash a little bit. We didn't just let go of the leash and just say, hey, you go, go run throughout the yard, do whatever the hell you want. Like that's like that's not what you do. And then when she started to act up and, and you know, get a little out of pocket with it, we reeled it in a little bit. We didn't bring her all the way back to sit next to us, but you know, you reel her back in just a little bit. That's what that, that's kind of the same thing you have to do with the, trying to eliminate bad habits from happening. So I'm looking at Jalen Dern's shot chart. If you watch the game, you probably know where I'm going with this. At the rim, he has one, two, three shot one two three four shot attempts i'd say at the rim he has one two three four five six seven eight on eight some people probably say seven or eight shots outside of the paint outside the rim and they were coming in different forms pull up middies fadeaway middies running hook shots that get blocked like Okay, if you want to give him the freedom to get to the basket and do that thing, utilize his footwork, like good process, okay, even if it has a bad result in the end, you allowed that good process to happen because it showed good results, I'd say, more often than not when he gets to the basket, makes a kick out or make, gets to the basket, hits a runner, finishes over a guy, dunks on somebody, utilizes his footwork to get a bucket and one, like all that stuff. That is, has shown good a good process and mostly, I'd say, go, good results. The pull-up middies, the step-back middies, the fadeaways that are hitting all backboard or the back iron and flying out, the, the running hook shots getting blocked by Brooke Lopez, the running hook shots at the end of games when it's really close and it's basically a turnover and guys get on a fast break because now you're under the rim and they're pushing. Like Those kind of things should not be allowed. And it's not just with Jalen Duren at all. It's not just him. It's happening, I promise you, throughout the entire roster. He's just the easiest one I can point to and explain to you guys. Over the last few weeks, you're starting to see that phase. I believe it was like phase four or five that Tim Legler and J.J. Reddick talked about. That happens throughout a season. A lot of stuff happens, but eventually you get to that phase where guys start to develop some bad habits and guys start to do things that maybe they wouldn't do in other situations. And it's not just Jalen Duren. Even, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich is starting to be given a little bit too much of a reign where he's taking some bad shots and taking up too much usage or maybe not too much usage, but utilizing too much of the shot clock trying to ISO. Like, now you're seeing more isolation basketball. That's another thing. You're starting to see Jane Ivey take some questionable shots, turn the ball over, have some questionable turnovers. That's another thing. And, and the, the way it's happening, and not just the fact that he's having turnovers, but the way it's happening. You obviously have seen it with, with players who aren't very good, like Killian Hayes. Uh, you saw it happen for a little bit with the Sar Thompson, even though he had a good last few two games. Um, but even in this game, you started to see Asar Thompson do some things that were like, huh, I haven't seen Asar do that too. What, what's he doing? Like, you see it throughout, and then even Marcus Sasser late in the game. Like, a lot of these things, you're seeing guys be allowed to do some things that I, I think the best way to put it would be this. I heard Shan Sharp say this in one of his podcasts, and I, I've heard, I had a high school coach tell me this um, as well. And actually, when he said this on his podcast, um, it, it brought back a memory that I, I'm not going to, you know, it wasn't a positive memory for me, okay? But I'm it brought back a, a memory from my varsity team. Um, it, don't You never want to allow something in a win that you wouldn't allow in a loss. So basically, if you, wouldn't, if, if you lost the game and it, you weren't getting good process out or good results out of it, if that would make you mad, then you don't allow it to happen when it happens to work out in a win. So... That's and that's how you keep the gold standard. That's how you keep a good culture. That's how you have a good development environment. If you allow things in wins that you wouldn't allow in losses, then how do you guys know what's wrong and what's right? 
how do you guys know what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing? You let me do it when it works out, but when it doesn't work out, you're yelling at me and taking me out the game. Like, whatever you would allow in a win, allow in a loss. Whatever you wouldn't allow in a win, don't allow in a loss. Like, it should, you need to be consistent through through everything. You need to be consistent with everything. And, I, and I'm telling you, if you listen to the J.J. Reddick podcast where they talk about this kind of thing on bad teams, I'm telling you, if you watch the Pistons play and then go watch other NBA teams that play, you can see very clearly that they are hitting that phase four option. Like that, that is an op, that that or not option, but phase. That's where they're that's where they're hitting right now. And I I think it fall it falls upon Monty Williams and this front office and the Pistons organization to try and nip it in the bud early before it becomes a bad habit. And yeah, the Pistons lost by nine to to the Milwaukee Bucks. That's not a moral victory. Yes, they played competitive basketball for against the Milwaukee Bucks. I think a lot of that had to do with Isaiah Stewart. I think Isaiah Stewart is the most impactful player in this game. And Marcus Sasser went nutty for a good, like, eight-minute stretch. That was a big point. And another reason why the Milwaukee Bucks shot 25% from deep. Like, the best, one of the best three-point shooters in the league, Malik Beasley, missed, like, his first four attempts. Dame shot two of ten. As soon as they started hitting these kickout threes that Giannis was making, he got a triple-double, and they extended the lead to 12. Like, that was a big reason why. I, it's not because the Pistons were playing the right way. Like their starters, Jay Knight was a minus 23. Duran was a minus 13. Bogdanovich was a minus 13. Like, just like I said, don't allow things in a win that you wouldn't allow in a loss. Don't allow something in when, when you think things are going right that you wouldn't allow when things aren't going right. It needs to be consistent. That's how you have the right development environment. So that's all I've got for you guys today. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below. I'll see you guys in the next one. Stay safe out there. Appreciate you guys making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Until next time, peace out.